Good morning and Shavua Tov, and welcome to the first of our mini shiurim on Megillas Esther, the book of Esther. Uh, we are learning in the merit of the IDF, Israel's Emergency Services, the hostages, and the injured. Um, we're starting from the beginning of Megillas Esther, how much we'll get through before Purim, entirely unclear. But we start at the outset uh, with Achashverosh's parties. It was in the days of Medina. He reigns over 127 countries, lands, states, exactly what they are is a good question. Um, in those days, when Achashverosh is on his throne in his capital of Shushan, in the third year of his reign, already you see we're making a leap, right? We started with when he was king, and now we're told in his third year on the throne. He made a party for all of his nobles and all of his servants. It's for everybody. The leadership of Persia and Media Incorporated, uh, Persia and Media being um, apparently some kind of a, uh, a tag team. That's a bigger discussion that requires learning. Daniel Perakvav, not our discussion right now. But it's for the leadership of Paras and Madai, and it's a leadership of, it's a party for the leadership of all of these 127 lands. Bahara Osoas Osher Kavod Malchuso, he is showing all of his wealth, the glory of his reign, the Es Yakar Tiferes Gedula, so the splendor of his power, Yamim Rabim, for a long time. How long? Shmonim Umaas Yom, 180 days. Okay, 180-day party. And then, once those days are complete, after 180 days, he makes another party for everybody found in the capital in Shushan, great to small, a seven-day party, in the yard of the palace of the king. And then we get a nice description of all the decor, there is so much to talk about here. There is so much that you could do here. Why the party? Why the luxury? Who throws a six-month party, right? And you're demanding that your dignitaries from all over your empire show up? What's that about? And why are you making this party after three years? And not at the outset when you actually got on the throne. Maybe it took you three years to build up the guest list. Like, what in the world is Akashverosh doing with these parties? And why is the text taking the time to tell me all about these parties. This is an awful lot of detail to go into in order to say there was a queen, her name was Vashti, she was no longer queen, and then Hashverosh got a new queen, and her name was Esther. Like, you could have done that. Why Why are we blowing up the whole story of the party at all? So one approach to this whole party um, emphasis is that it's meant to demonstrate Ahasuerus's obsession with power and status. Malbum loves this point. Um, if you take a look at um, that that second sentence that we read, right? In those days, when King Ahasuerus was sitting on his throne in Shushan Habira, says the Medrash in Esther Rabba, what do you mean now he is sitting on his throne? 
what he wasn't sitting on a throne before. What exactly was that about? And what's this third year thing? So says the Medrash in Esther Rabbah, it's Aleph Tesvav for those who want to look it up. Rabbi Yehuda Omar Bishnas Shalosh Lemleches Hakise. It's the third year of the work on the throne. You know how it works. Sometimes you ask a craftsman to do something and he gets it done right away and sometimes it takes a while. Three years, the project on this throne. And then when the throne was complete, that was when he made his big party. And Malbim seizes on that and says, what in the world is Achashverosh doing? He says, The text is trying to tell us that at the start of his reign, Achashverosh wants to demonstrate his control. So what does he do? He says, I am making a brand new throne. Remember that his not immediate predecessor, but one of his predecessors, Cyrus the Great, also known as Cyrus II, conquered the Babylonians. They had a throne which had been in Bavel. He takes the throne, he moves it to Shushan, he says, the Shushan is now going to be my capital and is going to be my royal city. I want to demonstrate how strong I am. I want to demonstrate my greatness. And, says the Malbim, when a, normally when, when a new king comes to power, he considers it his honor to sit on the throne of past kings. Not Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus says, I want to make a new throne. I'm not interested in what those previous kings did. I am different. I'm better than everybody else. And that's what he, uh, and that's, that, that's the start of our story is Ahasuerosh saying, I want a new castle, I want a new throne, and he does it right at the start of his reign to demonstrate his power. That's one point. Second point, this business of the two parties, the party for the leadership of his empire and the party for the locals. So there's a classic Gemara in Megillah that we need to visit here. Megillah Yudbeis Aleph. Uvimlos hayamim ha'eleh goes, you know, it's commenting on these um, these verses, this passage that describes the two parties. Rav and Shmuel have a debate. One of them says Achashverosh is a wise king. One of them says Achashverosh is a foolish king. And I think people often read this and miss the main point of the Gemara. The view that Achashverosh is a wise king says this was a smart strategy. First, he says. I'm going to take care of those who are far away. I'm going to make sure that they have a relationship with me. I'm going to make sure that they see my grandeur. And then I'll take care of the residents, the locals. They're always around. I can take care of them. So that was Ahasuerus' thinking. That's why he did first the party for far and near. Far, far, I should say. And then he says, I'll take care of the guys who are, who are closer also. Smart strategy. Second school of thought says, no, that was a foolish thing to do. First, you take care of your base. First, take care of the ones who are nearby because those are the ones who you're going to rely on for your defense and those are the ones who could most easily betray you. So what he should have done was taking care of the locals first and then taking care of everybody else. That's the Gemara. Either he's wise or he's foolish. But the underlying message often is missed here which is either way, Ahasuerus is a fear-driven schemer. 
he's definitely throwing two parties because he wants to reach two constituencies. He has a strategy. His strategy is what we presented first. His strategy is, first I'll take care of those who are far away, and then I'll take care of the locals. And either that's a good strategy, or it's a bad strategy, but either way, Ahasuerus is a schemer. He's just either good at it or bad at it, depending on your read in the Gemara. There's another Gemara, Sanhedrin Sadidalad Amad Aleph, regarding King Sancherev, which does something similar. King Sancherev was the Assyrian king who invaded and exiled the northern kingdom of Yisrael. And then he besieged Yerushalayim. He attacks Yerushalayim and he also gives them, well, he also is presented, sorry, there's a debate between Rav and Shmuel in the Gemara regarding whether he was wise or not based on the ultimatum that he gives to the Jews in Yerushalayim. He says, I want to conquer this area, and I'm going to send you to a great land. I'm going to send you to a wonderful place as good as Yerushalayim. And the Gemara says, you know, either he was wise or he was foolish. You could read him as wise because he's saying, if I tell him it's better than your land, they're going to say that I'm a liar. They won't believe me. So I'll just say it's as good as your land. On the other hand, no, maybe he's foolish, because if the two places are equal, why would I want to leave? Let me just stay where I am. The, um, so again, we're portraying somebody as having had a scheme, having had a plot. He has, he's thinking something, and the question is, is he smart or is he not smart? Now remember, Sancherev is depicted in Tanakh as an arrogant blowhard. He says, no God can defeat me, and then he's routed by Hashem at Yerushalayim. And maybe that's the point of the parallel, the fact that Rav and Shmuel give the same treatment to Ahasuerus and to Sancherev. Ahasuerus is along the same lines. But this is who Ahasuerus is. Going back to our point, Ahasuerus is very much a schemer. He is trying to make sure that he is going to extend his influence as broadly as possible and get everybody on board. Malam has a long discussion of this. We don't have time to, to go into all of it, but if you look at the Malam in the opening sentences, you'll, you'll see it there. And just to show you another way that this scheming is portrayed in the Gemara, we read that the party that he made for the locals took place in the yard of the garden of the house of the king. What does that mean? It's in the yard of the garden of the house of the king. What, what are you talking about? So Rav and Shmuel have a discussion of this in the Gemara. Also Megillah, Yudbez, Amud, Aleph. One of them explained that what Achashverosh did was he broke everybody up based on their class. Some people, they're the type of class you just stick them in the yard. They'll be happy they're at the king's party. Some people are for the garden. And then some people are for the house. So is dividing everybody up based on where they belong. That's one approach. Second approach is he started with everybody in the yard, but that couldn't hold them. So then he had to spill over into the garden. That couldn't hold them. And then he had to finally bring them into the house. That's the other approach. It also says, in describing the, the um, furnishings that he had for the party, al galile chesef ve'amude sheish, Mitos Zahav Vachesef. So the uh, they're described as being on silver furnishings and they're on marble 
um, as well. Amudei Sheish is understood to be marble pillars, beds of gold, beds of silver. So here we have another debate. Rabbi Yehuda says some were suited for silver, they were on silver. Some were suited for gold, they were on gold. The uh, same, same idea. And Rabbi Nechemia says no, because that's going to create jealousy. Rather, there were beds of silver that also had gold in them. My point in bringing this is simply to show you that our sages view Achashverosh as a very calculating person. He, he's really working on trying to, um, trying to, to make sure that, that, that everybody is going to be treated in just such a way that he will ultimately maximize the honor that he receives and the control that he exercises over everyone. Ultimately, Achashverosh is a calculating person who is trying to ensure that his grip on power will be solid. What I want to do tomorrow is show two other ways to, uh, to look at this party as it is presented in the, uh, in the first parak, and then we have to move on to talk about Vashti. We have a lot to talk about with Vashti.